Good morning, church. There we go. I need to get out there somewhere. That was a project we did here with you guys. One of our outreaches, um, we had Santa land in the middle of the playground over here, and we were able to provide Christmas presents for all the kids. We This year alone, we provided over 4,000 Christmas presents to Title I kids all around the valley from anywhere from South Phoenix to Avondale to Peoria. So thank you so much for your partnership. Thank you for walking life with us. Um, I understand that Pastor had asked me to, to go on with a series that you all are on, and, and how do you share your faith? And that is, to some, it gets to be far more complex than it really is. Sharing our faith is, can be easy, but we just have to understand how to do that. Um, but before I start it, we'll, we'll start off with a a little word like this. There was this guy, he died, right? He ended up dying. He, he goes to heaven and he sees St. Peter at the gates. And as he sees St. Peter at the gates, he says, I got to tell you, Peter, I'm a little surprised I'm here. And he goes, no, you are. We're excited. But for you to get to the other side of the gates, you've got to be able to spell a word. He said, okay, yeah, great. What's the word? He said, the word is love. He said, oh, that's easy, L-O-V-E. So he spells it, great, you can come on in. So as he comes in, Peter says, look, I've got some stuff i got to do in here. I want you to kind of hang out at the gate for a little while. And as people come up, I want you to have them do the same exact thing. He says, okay, that's fine. So people were coming out, and then he said, hey, you got to spell love. They did all that. And all of a sudden, by his surprise, his wife shows up. He says, I can't believe you're here. What happened? I mean, you, why are you here? And she goes, I was so distraught over your death that I was driving, and I got in a car accident, and I got killed. So now I'm here. He says, well, that's great. He says, all you have to do is spell one word to get on the other side of the gate. She goes, oh, okay, what's the word? He said, Czechoslovakia. <laughs> now, ladies, you can switch that if you want to say men, you know, however you want to look at that. So what happens? What is the key to sharing our faith? What is this all about? Well, it is a, it's a pretty basic thing. It's one thing. Just show up. That's all it is. Just show up. If we were to just show up, oh my goodness, you know how many lives would change just by us doing that? John 3.16, everybody knows the verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. We aren't here to be condemning, but to bring the light and love of Jesus to the world. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. See, here's the difference. In Psalms 139, verse 13, it says, For you were formed in my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderfully are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame is not hidden from you. When I was being made in secret and intricately woven into the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written, every one of them, the days that formed for me. When, as yet, there was none of them. Meaning this, God gave his only son. We were formed. We had a beginning. Jesus had no beginning. 
Jesus always was. And so because Jesus always was, he did something. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, think of this. Can you you just kind of imagine this? And this is the best way for me to, to describe it. They're all hanging out up in heaven. Jesus sitting on his throne. And they're having this conversation. <laughs> and it's saying, you know, one man brought sin into the world. That was Adam. We got to send somebody down there to get sin out of the world. And that was Jesus. <coughs> Excuse me. What's the biggest thing that happened? God showed up. God showed up in a manger, not in Scottsdale in the nicest um, resort of a hospital. He showed up in a barn with a bunch of mules and, other, and all the different types of animals with the hay and the waste, all these different things. That's where God showed up. What is he telling us? If we're not willing to go to the lowliest places, then we will never get to the highest place. Amen? Oh, that was weak. Amen? This is called participation. I say one thing, you say, okay, again, we kind of get along. That way I know you're still awake and I haven't bored you. So God shows up. He shows up on earth to do what? To tell us about the kingdom. To restore us from death to life. To raise us from our dead ability. We had the lack of ability to get to heaven, but he is the only one that got us from here to there. You've seen it before, I'm sure, where they have the cross and, it's, and there's a gap between this and this. There's a big canyon. And then they put the cross in the middle of it and you're able to walk across that canyon because of what Jesus did. He showed up. You know, when we're ready to show up, lives change. I am... Um, I teach people on a regular basis how you make a difference in kids' lives. People's lives, but kids' lives. And it's one thing. You just show up where they are. So where do kids hang out at? They hang out at school. They got to be at schools. Most Title I schools need help. They'll have one teacher out there for three or 400 kids on recess, and there's fights going on all the time. How do I know this? Because I've been doing this a long time and I've watched it and seen it and had to break them up and do all these things. So we bring out, we bring out leaders. Now I would go to the schools and a lot of people have said in times to me, I'm intimidated to go to a school. Why? Because they're intimidated by the kids. Why? They're kids. You know, kids are like sponges. And if I was to take this water and I put it down, I just spilled the water and I put a dry sponge in there, everything, all the water would start to be sucked into that. You know what? That's what kids want. I know it's hard to believe it, but they do. They haven't changed. I don't care all the junk that you hear. I don't care about all the stuff, the, the, uh, the TVs or the, I'm sorry, the phones and all the, the electronic stuff. They don't care about that as much as they care about attention and someone paying attention to them. So what ends up happening is I go to the campus and I'd, say I'd go there at lunch and I'd start hanging out and I'd just stand there at the basketball court. And my normal thing is, what's up, fellas? And they're looking at me and say, hey, can I shoot with you? So I start shooting baskets with them. A little while later, I start playing. Next day, I'm playing a game with them. The next day, the famous question always gets asked to me, don't you got a job? I said, mijo, my job is just to come hang out with you, just to see your smiling face every day. 
What a privilege that is. I get, I get, I get amazed every, every day that a kid allows me to talk into their life. I'm an old man. I'll be 57. I know that's not always that old, but it's old. To a 12, 13, 14, 16, 18 year old, that's old. They're probably still amazed I'm breathing. <laughs> but they give me the privilege to speak into their life. And all I did was show up. So the first thing you have to do is show up. Now, here's the other thing. We have examples of this showing up. We know that God showed up. He came and gave us his son. That's the first show up. Now Jesus shows up again. Where? So I want you to think about this. I am all for, I, don't ever misunderstand me, I am for missions all over the world. I am. We have to spread the gospel. That's important. But I want us to also understand that there is a surplus simplicity to raising a few thousand dollars, going someplace for the next two weeks, have a great time, a great experience of your life, and coming back and starting to share that experience. I think that's all positive. But we have a mission field in America that we miss every single day, and it's a whole lot harder because you have to show up every day. Every day you have to do it. You don't get to escape from it. you got to do it. And one of the biggest things, especially with inner city at-risk youth, is they're used to people being in and out of their lives and never being consistent. So the church is called to be consistent. And we're missing it because they're going, well, I'm intimidated. I have all these different excuses why I can't do what I need to do. I will tell you, the impact that you will make is much deeper by just showing up Taking a kid with you, hey, I got to go to Walmart. Go around, pick that kid up, take him to Walmart. It's 20 minutes. You take him back home, and guess what? You've just impacted his life. Why? Because you took 20 minutes out of your day to walk Walmart aisles with him. That's how easy it is. So we go from there, and Jesus ends up showing up. And I'm not going to read all of this, but I do want to make sure that we understand that Jesus showed up. And Samaria is right here. Where the Jews wanted to go was on the other side of right here, which is not Samaria. So what ends up happening is, is they, the Jews, what they would do is the major freeway at that time would go around Samaria, not through Samaria. You know why? Because they despised the Samaritans, half Jew, half Gentile. They despised them. So they go around, the Jews would go around well, Jesus didn't go around. He went right through. You know, lots of times people are scared to go into the inner cities of America because of what, quote, unquote, they talk different, they look different, they act different. They're different. Well, no, they're not. They're people. You know, when I go into an inner city community, people go, well, look at all the, the horrible things that are all there, and, 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 and it's so poor, and I'm going, oh, no, it's so rich. Because you see the nanas and the datas and everybody else sitting outside and everybody's playing in the playground across the street and everybody's having community. You know what we do in suburbia? We've got a, we got a little thing called a garage door opener and we start to pull up, we hit that button, we pull our, garage, our car into that, that garage, the garage door shuts and we never talk to our neighbors. Tell me who's rich. So they didn't go through, so Jesus shows up. What's he showing up to? All of a sudden, he's showing up to this woman who was an outcast. She should have been 
going for water at, in the mornings. That's when the women did. They all gathered up. They gathered the stuff, da, 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 and they start going up, and they walk together. They have community. This woman is an outcast. She's going around noon. And she goes there at noon. You know what she was doing? She was probably prostituting herself. And Jesus shows up there. Sends a, he sends the disciples. He goes, hey, boys, go get us some food. I'm going to go hang up over here. And he sits down. He says, woman, give me something to drink. He says, you, a Jew, asking me? I'm a Samaritan. And you have nothing to draw with. There's the, the well's deep. Give me something to draw with. He says, if you knew who I was, you would never thirst again. And so all of a sudden, Jesus is talking to this woman like nobody else has ever done that before. And he said, <clears throat> look, go get your husband. He says, well, I don't, I don't have a husband. He says, you've answered correctly. First thing to do is be honest. Second thing, he says, you've had five. Whoa, that honesty came right back at her. And she's staring there looking at him. And you know what we do so horrible as so many of us, I don't, we've all done it, all of us. Myself included, we end up judging people, right? Oh, do you know who she is? Do you know where she's from? Do you know what she's been doing? We like to be the church mouse and start to spread the gossip. See, Jesus came with the law. I've come to fulfill it. But you know what? As big as the law was, his mercy was as great as the law. And what did he do? He showed mercy and grace on her. And through that mercy, the eyes of Jesus. Could you imagine looking into the eyes of Jesus? All you would see is the purity of love. And all of that hurt and all of that pain, all of those things in that woman's heart were melted through the mercy and grace of love that touched her heart. And she heard the Savior calling her. Go and sin no more. I don't condemn you. Go. Now, by him showing up, listen to what it says here, starting in verse 33 of chapter 4 of John. Therefore, the disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him anything to eat? Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Do you not say there are still four months, I'm sorry, four months, and then comes the harvest? Behold, say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are already white for harvest. And he who reaps and receives wages and gathers fruit from the eternal life, that both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. For in this the saying is true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you have not labored. Others have labored and they... <clears throat> You have entered into their labors. And many of the Samaritans of the city believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified and told them that everything I ever did. What happened here is this. So the fellows come back with the food and they're going, hey, has anybody given anybody anything to eat for Jesus? He says, hey, man, you know, I, I'm eating from food that you don't know anything of. And I'm showing up. Now I want you to look. Look over there to the outside. And so the disciples turn around, and they see the Samaritans walking towards them. The harvest was probably 
At that time, this is being done probably in December or January. Harvest was a few months away. And they're looking, wait, I don't see the wheat. It's not ready to harvest. Oh, you know what was ready to harvest? See, the, the Samaritans wore white. And the white clothing. And they could see it like this, kind of like how the wheat would go in the wind. You'd see them walking towards. Look at the harvest. It's ready to be gathered. All they need is somebody to show up. You go show up, and I will promise you, I'll show up in a bigger way. Because God needs vessels. Isn't it amazing that God chooses to do his perfect will through imperfect people every day? Every day, God chooses to do his perfect will through imperfect people. I make more mistakes every day than I even care to remember. But he shows up. He chooses to use us. We're a tool in the toolbox. Jesus showed up in Matthew 4, 18 through 20. He looks and he sees Peter and his brother and they're all hanging out there fishing. And he looks at him and says, hey, Peter, I'm going to make you fisher of men. Come follow me. Now, I'm not going to tell you that we have the words to be able to say and pierce somebody's heart that they're just going to drop their nets and follow you right away. But I will tell you this, the more you walk life with them, the more they're going to follow you. Because they want what you have. And that's Jesus. When we look in Acts chapter 9, verses 10 through 19, this guy Paul in chapter 8 had just come to the Lord as he was going on the road to Damascus and then scales were put on his, on his eyes and Ananias had to do something. He had to obey God. And so they're having this conversation. Wait, God, you, you want me to do what for, for Paul? He's coming to your house. I want you to pray for him and you're going to pray and the scales are going to come off his eyes. Wait, do you know what this guy, he's a gangbanger, man. He's going into churches and he's killing people. Man, he's just killing all the Christians. He's a murderer. He's a thief. I'm going to judge him right here and now, God. He needs to go to hell. And God says, no, you're going to let him in. You're going to pray for him. And the scales will come off his eyes. Which he did. Ananias shows up. Then... Later on in Acts, there's another guy who shows up, and that's Barnabas. And Barnabas shows up because you know why? Because nobody wanted to walk life with Paul, and Paul's trying to tell the Jews, hey, I really am, I, I'm a man of God now, my life has changed, Jesus showed up, and this is who, and nobody was believing, they thought he was just trying to trick them to be able to kill them some more, and what ended up happening is Barnabas goes, I'm going to walk life with you. I'm going to walk life to give you some credibility. He did it. He took the chance. And by, by Barnabas taking that chance, you know what ends up happening? Most of the New Testament was written by Paul. Showing up and walking life, two things happen. People change communities. You know, Mark Twain said the two most important days of your life is the day you were born, and the second is the day you find out why. Why were we born? We were born to serve the king. 
And Jesus said the Son of Man came to serve and not to be served. And yet we try to lift ourselves up instead of allowing God to lift us up. There is nothing better than serving someone else. Isn't it amazing that Jesus washed the feet of the disciples? You have to think about that. Because all they wore was sandals and their feet had to be gnarly and they're going all, and Jesus is taking the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, God the Creator gets down on his knee and he takes their feet and he washes them. How much more humbling can God be? So we know the first thing is to, to show up. The second thing is like I was telling you, we need to walk life with people. You know, people don't reject Jesus. You know who they reject? The messenger. The methodology. Oh, you have to love God. You, you have to dress a certain way. You have to talk a certain way. You have to act a certain way. You have to look a certain way. You have to be the right color skin. You have to be able to do all these different things. You've got to do all the... Why do I want to serve a God like that? Nope, I want to walk. I want to serve a God who goes to the well and looks at a woman and says, yep, you've messed up, but I, don't, I forgive you. Just go and sin no more. And so by doing that, we've got to walk life with people. People need us to walk life with them. You know, kids don't care what you know, nor do people. People and kids do not care what you know. You know what they want, care about? Do you care about me? You walk life with people, they want to know, do you care? And the only way you know that they can, you care about them is that you keep showing up. See how it goes hand in hand? I'm sharing my faith because I'm consistent. I'm always showing up. You know, people every day use um, music, sports, TV. I can go on and on as, as an escapism. But nothing is stronger Nothing is stronger than music. You know, Satan was the angel of music in, he in, in heaven before he fell. And this is exactly what Andrew Fletcher, an 18th century Scottish political activist, said. Let me write the songs of a nation. I don't care who writes its laws. You know what he's saying there? He's saying people will escape through their music and I have their hearts. It's true. Back in the 60s, I don't know... Most of you won't remember this. But there was a song called, By the Time I Get to San Francisco. By the time I get to San Francisco. You like that rendition, huh? By the time I, um, <clears throat> they did that, it was on the radio for two weeks. And it was the first message song ever done on the radio. And over 100,000 hippies showed up in one place in, in San Francisco without being told a time or a day. Just by the song. And so every day people are looking to escape and escape and escape. What are they escaping from? The stresses and pressures of life and not having anybody to process life with. But we're called to walk life with people, to help process life with them, and to pray with them. Every day we're called to do that. In Acts 9, 26 through 30, like I was sharing, when people were too afraid to walk life with Paul, Barnabas said, I'm not afraid. I'm going to go and do it. I am going to walk life with Paul. 
Let me ask you, do you know the next Paul you're going to walk life with? Do you know the impact that you can make in the community and the, and the impact of, in that community or even in the world by you sharing your faith and walking life with someone? We never know what it is. I've had the privilege. I call him my son. He's been with me since he was 14. 14. Never knew his dad. His mom was in prison until he was 15. His nana raised him. And I've walked life with him ever since. First one in his family to graduate college, and now he works for us. That's a privilege. You know, we were in one of our inner city schools. We were in the 15% in the 15% lowest reading bracket in Arizona. And by the end of the year, they're at 80%. And people go, why do you bring football in? It's such a violent sport. No, because an inner city kid, man, he doesn't have a dad usually to walk life with. Seven out of ten kids don't have a dad. So you let them get their frustrations out because they're angry and they don't know why they're angry. They're angry because there's nobody's helping them work, work this stuff out. So you let them hit somebody legally, and then you have a healthy coach process life with them. They felt better about themselves. They felt like boys. They felt chingon. They're like, I'm going to put my head up again. That's the biggest problem. I will tell you, that's a problem in America. Boys aren't allowed to be boys. I want to tell you that when David cut off Goliath's head, he didn't go, oh, I'm sorry I hit you with that rock. He took his sword and cut his head off. And he was just a chiquito at the time. He was small. Isn't it amazing how we take the things of God and we try to perfect them? How many know you can't perfect what God's already perfected? Oh, that was weak. How many know that God, you can't perfect what God's already perfected? Amen? All right, there you go. I knew you were still awake. I wasn't. You show up and you walk life. Show up and walk life. You know, Corey Toombaum, she was um, the book, The Hiding Place. Her and her sister, they would hide people in the walls and they would hide the Jews from, the, from all of the Germans. And one day they got arrested. And when they got arrested, what ended up happening was they would be put in these different concentration camps and they would be beaten and all of these things. Where... Where are the Jews? Where are they? You know, and they'd say all the, and they would beat him and all this. And one day they were put in a concentration camp, one of the camps where there was just nothing but fleas. And so her and her sister were saying, well, I could thank God for the people. I could thank God that I'm still alive, but I can't thank God for these fleas. And one day they decided, I'm going to thank God for the fleas. And when they started thanking God for the fleas, guess what? They had more Bible studies inside their little concentration camp, reaching all of these non-believers and sharing Christ with them, and they never were beaten. You know why? Because they wouldn't come in, the, the, the guards wouldn't come in there and beat them because of all of the fleas. So let me ask you this question today. What's the fleas in your life that prevent you to show up and walk life with people? What's the thing that scares you that you don't do it? What's the thing that bothers you that you're going, I can't do this, I can't. It, there's, there's, 
they look different. They, they talk different. They, everything's different about them too. Uh-huh. Isn't it amazing that we like to do this with God and yet God is like this. And God will put things in your life to agitate you to get you to move. Show up and walk life. And you'll see a community change. You just will. It has to. You know why? It's not you, but it's God who's faithful. Be willing to be used as a tool. Show up and walk life with people. As we, where's the, is, is, are the singers coming up? Have them come up real quick. I want to share something that, that I don't want to take this lightly. Um, I don't know that you realized it or not. And if you could sing that last song that you sang before I came up, before the video, can you do that one? I don't know that you realized it. Um, you know, I pastored for a, a lot of years, and um, I was always, I always knew when the Spirit of God showed up. And in that last song that you sang just before I came up here, God showed up. And the cloud of God's love not that it's not always here, but I sensed it just flowing. And it was from that, Peter, why don't you start singing that, um, that song? And instead of us just rushing out, just give God a few minutes. Psalms 46.10 says, be still and know that I am God. Let God show up and just allow him to minister to you for a minute. Because lots of times in worship, what we end up doing is, in, and I mean in a church service, is that everything's time. We got this, we got this, we got this, we got to get out. But what we don't get to do enough of is just bathe in God's spirit. And you do that through worship. Worship is the most powerful tool. The stresses in your life can start to be lifted up. David would come in and he would play for Saul when the evil spirit came upon Saul and the evil spirit would leave Saul when David would play. Folks, whatever your stress is in your life, wherever you are right now, just for a few minutes, be still and know that he is God and that he will lift you up out of that stuff. And this song is such a beautiful song. I just believe that God is going to answer some of, your, some of the heartaches and some of the stresses in your life will be lifted just by you entering in.